Matthew chapter 4, beginning with verse 1. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting forty days and forty nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, It is also written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan. For it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Lent is beginning this year, reminding us that the incarnate Son of God, Jesus Christ, knows us. Or at least he knows how we are tempted. Were the temptations of Jesus exactly the same kind of temptations that every single human being has ever had? Probably not in the specifics. But in general categories, I'm sure Jesus was tempted. Generally, we as human beings are tempted to take the easy way out of our struggles and our suffering, the expedient way, the quick fix. We don't want to wait on God. We as human beings... Try to make God prove his love and his care for us by always giving us what we want when we want it. And we as human beings all too easily trust another, someone else to meet our needs. And we quickly look to and even serve the gods of this day, of our day, in order to meet our needs. The Christian season of Lent begins by showing us a Messiah who understands who knows and who also knows how to overcome temptations with the power of the Holy Spirit. And as disciples of Jesus, we are asked to take up our crosses and to follow the sacrificial path that Jesus took. And he taught us to pray, Father, lead us not into temptation or into a time of trial, but deliver us from evil. So I wonder if the concept of temptation itself is just foreign to many today. Today we seem to joke a lot about being tempted with chocolate or being tempted to watch or binge watch our favorite video series online. Our TV commercials even give us permission uh, to go ahead and ignore our temptations. Heed, listen to those temptations, buy that car. Eat that food, drink that drink, go on that vacation. You deserve it. So it's good to remind ourselves today of what temptation is and as it relates to God and what God says about it in the Bible. The word tempted in our reading today means to tempt, but it could also mean to test or to put to the test. 
In temptation, someone is enticed, right? Enticed. Not for chocolate necessarily, uh, but enticed to go against the will of God. That is to break God's commands, to violate your covenant with him, to strain your relationship with God. To be tempted is to be enticed to do something other than what God has said. To believe something other than what God has told you. To trust someone else, to listen to someone else, to follow someone else other than God. And when we go against God's will for our life, we call that sin. When we're tempted, we're tempted to sin against God. It's really not a trivial matter at all and should be taken seriously. But our own upbringing, our own emotional brokenness, our own greed and pride, and many other things about us cause us to be tempted to go against God. And all the devil needs to do, all the devil needs to do is to plant a suggestion in your mind, point to another way, Hint that God is not to be trusted. Did God really say? The season of Lent is a good time to think about those things that tempt us to sin against God. What sort of brokenness lies within me and causes me to look elsewhere for truth? Causes me to look elsewhere for hope or for true love? What do I, uh, why do I have such a hard time? Trusting other people or trusting God? Why am I motivated to go my own way all the time instead of going the way that, that God lays out for us in the Bible? Lent is a good time to think about those questions. The other meaning of that word tempted, as I said, is to test or to put to the test. It means trying to get the person to prove himself faithful uh, to God's will. It's like testing a piece of metal to see if it's gold. I mean, you really hope that it is when you're testing that piece of metal. And I think we can see both of these meanings at play in our passage today, this famous passage of Jesus being tempted by the devil in the Gospel of Matthew. He's being tempted to go against God's will by the devil, but he's also being tested. He's being put to the test. And the Holy Spirit of God seems to be leading Jesus into this time of trial, into this time of testing, but, of course, the Spirit himself would not be tempting Jesus to go against God's will. Chapter 4, verses 1 and 2 begin. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. It kind of goes without saying, doesn't it? <laughs> You'd be hungry, too. Here, Jesus had just been baptized in the Jordan River, and he heard the voice of the Father saying, This is my Son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And then immediately the Spirit leads Jesus into the wilderness, the place of testing, like ancient Israel, spending 40 years in the desert, in the wilderness, after leaving Egypt. Mark puts it even in even starker, stronger language in his gospel, saying that the Spirit drove Jesus out of the wilderness. Exbalo is the Greek word, where we get the word ballistic. The Spirit threw Jesus out into the wilderness. Jesus is compelled to go into this time of testing 
like so many others in the scriptures had to do too before they began their ministry. So the wilderness is a time of fasting from food. It's self-discipline of body and soul, a time of preparation for the assignment, the assignment that God was going to give him. In fasting and prayer, Jesus is focusing on listening to the voice of the Father so that he can confidently go where the Father tells him to go and do what the Father tells him to do. The temptations Jesus faced may seem strange to us on the surface. After all, we don't generally have a verbal exchange with the devil or uh, hear that voice telling us to throw ourselves off a building or to turn stones into bread, as if that one would even be a temptation for any of us. Um, Turning stones into bread is outside of the wheelhouse for many of us. Um, But some people can turn bread into stones. That's a different sort of skill that maybe you've experienced. (laughs) But at a deeper level, the temptations of Jesus are temptations that we all face. At our core, we have times of fear and hunger, and we need those things get linked up to uncertainty for how those fears will be comforted and how those hungers will be satisfied. We don't know. We don't know the future, and it's just unknown. It's uncertain. There's a core of human greed and pride that also begins to fester in our lives and relationships that cause us to doubt God or to test God, or to seek other gods who promise a more expedient way, a quick fix to our unhappiness. We don't need a conversation with the devil on our shoulder in order to be tempted. Because of our fallen nature, it comes all too easily. I'm only human, we like to say, right? When we make mistakes or show ourselves to be less than perfect in some way, I'm only human, we say. We're born to make mistakes. And there's some comfort in being able to say that and knowing that. Well, yes, I'm human, so I can, it gives me the freedom to sort of try new things and do something else, knowing that, yep, I'm going to make mistakes. So we fall down, we get back, get back up, we try again, right? That's, that's a good part of saying I'm only human. But saying I'm only human can also be a cop-out. It can be a cop-out. It's an excuse for sinning against God's will for us. We don't even try sometimes to resist temptation or look for help or pray or meditate or look up relevant scripture passages when we're struggling with something. We just say, well, I'm only human, right? What can I do? There's nothing I can do. I'm just human. But the Bible tells us to endure temptation to struggle against it, to resist the devil and his schemes. There's an active part we have to play in this struggle of being human. Humans created by God, redeemed by God, and called to a higher purpose than being only human. James 4, 7, and 8 says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God, and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. There are a lot of verbs there in that short little verse. Submit, resist, flee, come near, wash your hands, purify your hearts. We are expected to take an active role in our spiritual lives in resisting temptation, not making excuses. Oh, I'm only human, what can I do? There is something you can do. You should be doing something when you experience temptation. 
We're called to come near to God, knowing that God, through his Holy Spirit, will come near to us and help us to be victorious Christians. In 1 Corinthians 10.13, it says, No temptation is overtaking you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, expecting that you will be, but when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. So that you can stand up under it. The temptations that Jesus experienced in human flesh are temptations we all experience. But we have a faithful God who provides ways out of temptation. The promises of his word says that he will and he does provide those ways out. You're not alone in your temptations. You're not the only one who's ever experienced that. So take a look at the temptations of Jesus that when he faced in the wilderness, having been led there, remember, by the Holy Spirit, Jesus is being tested, tempted, prepared for future ministry. Times of trial and testing, they come and none of us are able to really um, control the timing of that. Having been identified and marked by baptism, Jesus faces the schemes of the devil. It's like God testing Abraham back in Genesis 22, except now Jesus is Abraham and Isaac as Jesus lays his own life on the altar. Israel was also called God's son in the Old Testament. They failed the tests in the wilderness between Egypt and the Promised Land. And here now, here now, Jesus shows his worthiness to be the true son of God. He's showing us what it's like to be a true child of God, faithful and obedient as he endures temptation, as he passes the tests. So what are these tests the devil lays out for Jesus in the wilderness? First, the first temptation, the hounds of hunger. The hounds of hunger, turning stones into bread. The hunger of Jesus reminds us, or should remind us in the Gospel of Matthew, of the hunger of Israel and the temptations that led them, uh, that they had and experienced in the wilderness. That resulted in grumbling and complaining, of course, and a lack of trust that God would provide for them. Each time Jesus responds to the devil in our passage this morning, he responds from the book of Deuteronomy. And in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 to 3, it says, Remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger, and then feeding you with manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known, to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. That's Deuteronomy chapter 8. A true child of God knows this. Real life doesn't come from food alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Matthew 4 verse 3 says, The tempter came to Jesus and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Take the easy way, Jesus. That word for if in the original language could also be since. Since you are the Son of God. See, the devil doesn't doubt who Jesus is. He just wants Jesus to take the easy way, the quick fix. Turn the stones into bread. Satisfy that hunger, that desperate physical need after fasting from food for so long. 
But Jesus says there is an even greater need than physical hunger and thirst. It's the need for God. We need God more than we need food, more than we need water. We need to live by God's word. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. It is written, Jesus says. It is written. Jesus quotes scripture. He knows his Bible, and he quotes scripture when he's tested, when he's in that time of trial. And we would do well to do the same. We would do well to do do the same, to know scripture, to be able to quote it when we're struggling like that. So what's the second temptation? Second temptation, doubting God's promises. Jump off the temple. Make God prove his love for you. Don't take his word for it. Doubting God's promises. Jesus is tempted to put God to the test. If you feel the need to do that, then you doubt what God had said in his word, and you're trying to make him prove himself, to prove his love to you by having him do what you want him to do. It's a form of manipulation, really. Someone might say, well, if you really loved me, you would do this, this, and this for me. Ancient Israel did this too. They doubted God's covenant promise to be their God and to provide for them while they traveled through that harsh wilderness. They pressured Moses, and God provided water from the rock for them to drink. But the, con- the conclusion of it all in the book of Exodus chapter 17, it says, And Moses called the place Massa and Meribah, testing and quarreling, because the Israelites quarreled and because they tested the Lord, saying... Is the Lord among us or not? Is the Lord among us or not? They doubted God's presence. They doubted his promises. And we can do this too. We can be very fickle human beings. Praising God for his goodness on Sunday and yet living in abject fear that God will not come through for us when we need him. So we ask God to prove himself to us over and over again. God, if you really love me, This time you'll do this for me. And we want to do this until he's kind of like our genie in the bottle, granting us our every wish, believing that God only exists to make me happy or comfortable. Well, in verse 5 of our reading, in the second temptation, the devil starts quoting scripture too. Then the devil took him, it says, to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple or the pinnacle of the temple, maybe some of your translations read, the highest point, the wing of the tip of the temple. Verse 6, if or since you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Temptations distort reality. They make things, they make sin look good. The devil cherry picks these verses or this verse out of the Bible in order to convince Jesus to jump and to prove God's faithfulness and love toward him in saving him. But Jesus knows the whole Bible, and he knows how to square one verse of the Bible with another verse. One verse is of comfort and assurance, while the other verse is a direct command. Honoring God excludes any kind of manipulation, trying to manipulate God into doing things, saying, God, prove it to me. If you know the whole Bible, you know that. 
This is not a love, uh, this is not a relationship of love and trust if you have to do that. So, so far, the devil has poked at the hounds of hunger in Jesus when he's desperately hungry, physically hungry, and he's tempted Jesus to doubt God's promises, God's love and care for him, to make God prove it. And the third and final temptation in the wilderness is about trusting another. The third temptation, trusting another. Idolatry or bowing down to the devil. Ancient Israel repeatedly worshipped other gods and trusted another in their wilderness journey. And God was clear in his word about the danger of trusting another. That is, trusting in someone or something else besides God to meet your basic needs. Putting something else in that ultimate place in your life where God should be. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 13 to 16, it says, Fear the Lord your God, serve him only, and take your oaths in his name. Do not follow other gods, the gods of the peoples around you. For the Lord your God, who is among you, is a jealous God, and his anger will burn against you, and he will destroy you from the face of the land. Do not put the Lord your God to the test, as you did at Massa. And the Jews of Jesus' day were tempted to give lip service to the gods of their day, too, in order to get ahead, in order to fit in with the the crowds, to do business in the pagan culture around them. The Greek and Roman gods were all over the place, and so were the people who worshipped them. Not to do so would have been a sacrifice, a hardship. God's people would have been excluded and worse. So if it furthered their career, they paid homage to these other gods in direct defiance to God's commands not to have any other gods or to make any images of God. So this third temptation of Jesus is the sell your soul to the devil temptation. See, our need for belonging is huge, isn't it? The need to fit in, the need to feel like we belong to a group, to a family, to a workplace, whatever it is. We need to fit in. But also our need for security, for peace, our low self-esteem, our need for immediate results no matter what, it all pushes us to a place where we're susceptible to temptation. What sort of compromises will you make in order to fit in at work, at school, with your friend group? What sort of compromises are you willing to make regarding God's law, God's word? We can take that lightly because if I make a big deal of it, people might not like me anymore. See those kind of temptations just to fit in? And in that time of trial, our hearts are exposed for what they really are, and our true loves come out. The things we're truly devoted to are made plain to see. In verse 8 of our reading today, it says, Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. See, Jesus was not going to trust another. He was not going to engage in idolatry even if it promised a quick fix to his hunger or stroke his ego or make him fit in with the crowd and what everybody else is doing or his friends. He was not going to put God to the test and make God prove his love and faithfulness because it would show that he doesn't believe God. He doesn't trust him. 
Jesus has a purity of heart. The desire to do one thing, to love God and to trust him, even when things are going south, even when he's going through a time of trial and struggle, temptation. As it says in Hebrews 4, verse, chapter 4, verses 15 and 16, we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet without sin. Let us approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. You see, temptation is to treat God as less than God. Doubt God's promise and presence with us in our struggles or to question God's character and his promises to us. Temptation causes us to take matters into our own hands or, or, to, or pushes us to trust another. Jesus resisted this, these temptations. He laid hold of the Holy Scriptures and he firmly declared in his words and actions that only God is God. But you know what? He wasn't alone in the wilderness. He wasn't abandoned there. The Holy Spirit led him there. And you know what? Neither are we. We're not alone in our struggles. We're not abandoned in our temptations. We have each other, first of all, as the Christian community of brothers and sisters in Christ. The church is supposed to be here for one another. And as we struggle with sin, as we struggle to live a holy life, and as we struggle to make our way back to God, maybe after a life of sinning, we need each other. And the Holy Spirit leads us, guides us, brings to memory those verses that we have memorized, comforts us, teaches us. The Spirit gives us the courage we need to resist and to come near unto God, even during those times of trial and testing or temptation. Praise be to God. Would you pray with me? God of grace, we seek you this morning in our joys, in our struggles, in our temptations. Forgive us for running after idols and seeking the quick fix so often and not trusting you or waiting upon you or seeking you in our times of need. This morning, Lord, draw us ever nearer unto you, that we may experience your grace and power working through your word and your will for our lives. God, may you be the ultimate thing in our lives. During this season of Lent, may you strengthen our holy habits and our spiritual disciplines that focus our attention and our faith on you alone. And then may we give you the glory and praise as we serve you and each other with lives of service and love. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.